Welcome, everyone, to another week with your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. That's Mordechai Weinberger, clinical social worker, where we look forward at this program to take a mental health awareness. And with Siata Deshmaya, we will be... I'm, We'll be able to take your questions. The number to call up is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And we look forward to taking your question or your comment. So we are going to start with our first caller, Mrs. R. You're on the air with Mordechai on Radio Kolbram and Harav Nissen. Hello, Mrs. R. I've come to live with us this year, studying in the sand. Hello, Mrs. Um, R. Yeah, hello. Yeah, can you please close the, the sound in the background? The radio. There's nothing on. Oh, okay, fine. And it's just in my background that I'm hearing it. Um, basically, my husband's sister is living by us. She's 15. Um, and I'd like to put down some boundaries. Um, my husband would really would rather um, treat her as a guest. Wait, I, I'm not getting you clearly. I'm sorry. You have a 15-year-old daughter. Your husband wants to do what? No, sister-in-law. Okay, you have a 15-year-old sister-in-law. Yeah, that's living with us this year. That's living with you. Okay. And I would like to have certain boundaries to make it easier for everyone. And my husband would much rather we just treat her as a guest. I shouldn't tell her what to do. Um, okay. So uh, I just want to start right now how you've, how, not how complicated your question is without even saying anything. Let's start like this. Why is she not in her house? Is it because the family lives far away? Is it because she's got behavioral issues? Is it your sister or it's your husband's sister? If it's your sister, how are you dealing with it? If she has a problem, is she, how is she in your space? If it's your husband's sister, he's giving you to take care of his sister, why aren't you going to her sister's where it's more? If he wants you to take her and he's giving advice, is he around? Let him deal with it instead of giving others advice. Okay, so basically, it's a bit difficult for me to talk. I hear myself twice. Uh, so do I, by the way. <laughs> should should I call back? Um, I'm not sure if it's the new system that we're working on. That's why it's happening. I I think you try to call back because uh, it's very uh, echoey. You know, you're on a speakerphone. Right. You're on a speakerphone. No, 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 regular. I know that you're speaking from UK, so I just uh, could be that line over there. No, uh, shall I call back again? I try, okay. Yeah, okay, so I'm going to try again. Okay, Mordechai uh, will go to the yeah. uh, the other caller, Mr. M. Okay, so let's go to Mr. M. Hi. Mr. M, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Is that me? Correct. Yes, you. Okay, um, well, I'm a yeshiva bucker. And I would like to know if you can give me physic because I'm in therapy and no one in my yeshiva knows and it's quite hard to deal with it without anyone knowing and they wonder where I go when I leave. Can I have a little bit of physic to keep on trying? Well, 
First of all, let's acknowledge the problem, number one. The problem, number one, that you're going through, and so many people have similar difficulties, and that is that let's say you're going for therapy and you're leaving and no one knows where you're going, so you're keeping a secret. Keeping a secret and feeling different and then needing to come up with stories is extremely difficult. That same feeling is sometimes what people feel if they come from a divorced household, if they have a sibling that is not well, if they have parents that are fighting and it's a secret, if they have a grandparents that are that have got financial issues. People walk around with secrets within themselves, and the world perceives them as healthy, successful, and really they feel that there's something that they're different than everyone else. Okay. So right now, let's first give you a chizik. You are doing the right step. means if you need therapy and you're doing it, ashrecha. Amazing. That is fantastic and that is amazing. The fact that you are, that you feel that you're different or people don't know, yes, certain things in our society as of now is still being kept a secret. That's one of them that's still not that acceptable, although it's changing in our system. Meaning that people are feeling safer to say that they're going to speech therapist. People are feeling safer to have an educational therapist in the yeshivas. And people are even, the yeshivas are starting to get social workers in the boys and in the girls' schools. So it's getting more and more acceptable to be able to say that. And that's a positive. I know we're going to have people listening and saying it's not a positive. I disagree completely. It's a huge positive. And eventually you'll be able to tell your friends saying, yeah, I'm going to see someone so I can do better. And they will be able to do the same thing. We we lost, unfortunately, we lost the caller. So we go to the uh, lady from uh, UK, okay? Hello, you on there? Yes. Does that answer your question? The guy that we lost, we lost his call. We uh, lost the Bach yes. call. All right, so let's go ahead and let's then finish the question. So to that Bacher that you're now in therapy and no one seems to know what is happening by you and you need Chizik going and people ask where you're going and you can't tell them yet I'm going to therapy, understand that having a secret is difficult. But recognize that many people are not ready yet to understand why you're going and in our society there's still that issue with Shadduchim and how you're doing and all those reasons are reasons for you not to tell the random person on the other hand, for you to recognize and be extremely proud of yourself that Mary Hashem is going to come for you to get married, you're going to be happy, excited, alive, and completely successful with Siyat HaDashmaya versus all those people that are embarrassed to go for help. Mordechai, Mordechai. Yes. Yeah, the guy, the guy is back on the, on the air. He's back on. Yes. Let's go back to Mr. M. You're on. Yeah, hi. I just would like to have some chizuk for staying in therapy because it's hard. Sometimes guys say insensitive things because they don't know where I leave and why I leave. Yep. So we were just discussing that you should be looking at your future, that Merit Hashem, you Hello. might invest a Hello. year. You might have friends that are you saying they might make comments or ask where you're leaving to, but we want you to focus. You've got the rest of your life ahead of you by taking care of yourself. By not right. taking care of yourself or worried what people will say will hold you back from having happiness, will have the pressure, and all that stress builds so much more. Does that make sense? Okay. Is that the chizik that you're looking for, or was there a particular chizik that you're looking for? 
Well, I wasn't sure what I was looking for. I just was feeling down. I wasn't going to give up, but it was just like hard, so I decided to call. Good. So let's help me out. So I'll share with you a little how therapy goes by me. In my office, therapy goes, tell me what you're thinking about. Tell me what you're looking for. And then we can try helping you. So what chizuk do you think would be right for you? Well, that, um, I'm not sure. Would you want to hear that it's normal, that anyone going through a difficult time will be successful? Yeah. Would you want to hear that the sign of greatness is someone that's willing to overcome and do what's needed, and you've got that? Do you want to hear that the sign of greatness to be able to ask for help when you need it? Yeah. Good. So recognize that each of the above you're doing. Do you want to recognize, can you think of how many friends you know or how many people are in your yeshiva that really need help, aren't getting help, and they're having problems with chavrusas over and over, they're getting upset at different people, or they're remaining quiet and silent, and you see that if they could just speak to someone or from the work that you're doing, boy, would their life be better. Do you see how, can you look at them and look at yourself and be proud of yourself? I think so. Good. Can can that be your chizik? Yeah. Can you realize that you might have an embarrassment of a year or two going for therapy of people nudging you where you're going, but do you see how you have the rest of your life ahead of you versus those guys that are remaining silent, not opening up? How do you think the rest of their life will look? No, not too good. Excellent. Exactly. So now, what can you tell yourself on the down days to give yourself chizuk? That I'm doing the right thing, and, and later on, I'll be happy that I did it. So, Rav Nissen, what chizuk would you give him? Uh, one, uh, three, one, hold on. All right. So what would you say, Mr. M? Are you looking for more? No, I think this was really good. Thank you very much. Excellent. Very good. So the number to call up is 712-43... I'm sorry, is... The number to call up is 718-683-5858. I want want to say something. You just asked me about this. I was really in the middle of the phone call. Uh, I think that uh, if if you go to any profession and you learn a trade... You become proud, and you know that you have the ability and skills to overcome. And this is therapies. You know, people, if you have just regular flu, you go to the doctor, and you get better and stronger. And this is exactly the point here. Many people are checking it's like a, a yeah, disability. exactly. And the, the point is that later in life, these kids, these people that are, look at you from the top, I I I don't feel I don't feel so I I'm feel sorry for their spouses or for the kids, because they they're the people that denial and just don't take it seriously what they have a problem and try to fix it, and it's something that has to be very concerned about many times. And you know that I am I am the one that was op- opposed this program, and I see that unfortunately we need it. Well, uh, so we, uh, one second, uh, we get now uh, this, okay. Hello, Ray Mordechai. Hello, Rabbi Mordechai. Hello, Rabbi Mordechai. 
Yes. Okay, so we lost you somehow. Okay. So uh, I don't know. Okay, so we'll go to uh, Mrs. Uh, from, uh, from UK, Mrs. R, okay? Mrs. R, we're back with you from England. Yeah, hello. Okay, so I didn't explain myself clearly. It's my husband's sister. She's 15 years old, and the reason why she's here is because in Europe they finish schooling younger, and it's a normal standard to go to that seminary. Um, usually it's dorming also, but seeing That's that right. she skipped the class and she's underage, she wasn't accepted, and she was accepted into a SEM here, which didn't have a dormitory, which is why she's by us. Okay. Okay, and she's a great kid. We all really get on very well. And she has Excellent. no issues whatsoever. Everything's fine. Excellent. Um, I would like to put down certain rules, just normal. And my husband doesn't want to. Can you to. give me two like examples that you want call to normal rules? Do. Like, she's a big girl, and... Wait, can she's, you tell me normal rules? She's a good girl. She's hardly here. She's a very light presence, and he doesn't feel it's okay, necessary. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Listen a second. What normal rules do you want to put down? Um, let's say um, she during the week, I don't expect her to help at all because she has a very full day, so there's not much time. But let's say Friday where she's here all day and Shabbos on Sunday, I would like, like the minimal help. Now, hold on, let me ask you a question. Do you, hold on, hello, hello, hold on, chill. Do you do her laundry? Take care of her. Hello, do you hear me? Hello? 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 What do we do here? Okay. He just has this, I don't know, he just doesn't want to. Hello? Hello? Yeah, hello? Yeah, is Red yeah. Mode... Are you hearing me, Mrs. R, Mrs. S? I hear you very vaguely. Oh, okay, so let's try. I'm, I was trying to, so maybe listen, because uh, there's something going on with the recording that will iron out. But I had questions way before you're going on. So let's see if you could pay attention, like put more of an effort, because I'm so low. To answer your question, so let me ask a question before you're going on, because I was not able to hear you. My question to you is as follows. Do you do her laundry? Do you make her breakfast, lunch, and supper? Or food? Yes. Now let's stop right there. She already uh, must now. participate, yeah. just like she's a family member. Basically, and not to the same degree. I mean, she has her own laundry baskets in her room, but like... And who does it? And who, who gave her a room? What would you do with that room if you didn't have her? <laughs> Use it for one of my kids. One of my kids has Excellent. So let's downstairs. stop a second. She is in your house. You are doing her laundry. You would have had it with your kids. So yeah. now, absolutely must she participate and be part of the family and do chores like everyone else. Okay. <laughs> There's no uh, question I, I, about that. Now let me ask you, husband, why would your not husband not want her to do any chores? What possible reason can he have that she should just be a free room and board? Why? He, he Bechlal doesn't like telling people what to do. He's a very meadow personality. And at the beginning, I found it extremely difficult having someone, you know, parachuted into my life. <laughs> and... That's right. Let me ask you the next question. Like were you asked, he turned himself into were you given a choice to have your sister-in-law live in your house? 
It wasn't my choice, no. Oh, so let's go. So notice how we change questions. Your question is not about your sister-in-law. No, Your not question more, is first, what's sweet. your role right. in your house? It's between me and my husband, really. That's right. And your role is you don't want a sister-in-law there. Not that you have an issue with your sister-in-law. You might have her one night a week or twice a week, but you want your privacy. Yes. And if she is going to be there, then participate, help out. Then maybe you won't have a babysitter and you'll have it with your husband once a week when you go out. The lack of support from a husband is what makes it 25 times harder. No, 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 no. You're starting to now say it's important to your husband. Let's rephrase that. I haven't worked out yet in my marriage that when something's important to my husband and it's important and the opposite's important to me and these are major decisions having someone live in your house for an entire year or an entire seminary year is several months it must work with you. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like you have the ability to tell your husband wonderful let since if it'll be a boy it'll be on your husband it's a girl, it's on my husband, you've got to work out. Now, I'll say something that is very controversial, but imagine your in-laws know, or, they, or your husband tells you, since you're taking someone in and you're losing your privacy, remember, these girls are done with seminary, sometimes at 2 o'clock, some days, sometimes at 4 o'clock, then she's on your head. How about after 4 o'clock she doesn't step foot into the house till 8.30? And twice a week she sleeps somewhere else, you have privacy. And every other Shabbos, she's someone else. How would that, how would you deal with it then? <laughs> so what's happening is your know. husband is being extremely nice on your husband. How about your husband now needs to take care of her from 4 to 8.30 every day? So my husband's fine with it. Your husband's fine with him taking care of your sister, his sister? Great. Please, Keep yeah. her out of the house till 9 o'clock every night. <laughs> you have your privacy. You get to put the kids to sleep. You get to make your supper. You get to have the messy house. You don't have someone walking around. She has a day off Friday, Shabbos, Sunday. She's not in your house every day. You have your time to be comfortable, leisure. Wonderful. Most of the time it See, the doesn't work that way. The danger is when people are nice on their spouse's chesh. They're not giving them the space that they need. They have an open house. They would give anything to anyone, and not that they expect yeah, it Yeah, for back, a year straight? I, I love when people are large on other people's judgment. Would they take someone into their house a year straight? My not when they have a separate well entrance, a separate door in world, your house. Guests, like, what? They, they, what they don't do for guests is, um, is absolutely amazing. A year straight is something that's being very nice to guests. There's something where you're taking someone in your kitchen every single day. They probably would. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. So now you feel guilty. Now what happens if you tell your husband I'm a different nature? I can't. I I think that I can. You think you can? Doesn't sound like you can. Sounds like you're frustrated. I'm it sounds like you're blaming it on that you can't get her to help a little bit. At one point we discussed then, I told my husband all the things that I find difficult, which all these things which you're mentioning, which he didn't see. Of and course he agreed, not, because he's a man. He men don't have he a problem with these that things. He doesn't understand, but he was That's right. Said, okay, men fine, usually you know, don't have a problem with these things. With until then we had, um, until it's a buffer that they need to have around them. It took me time to realize. I totally like forgot that new mindset. He's reverted back to the original of what's a big deal. 
So now I'm frustrated because now I've reached a point where I realize that we're not on the same page at all. That's right. But when I thought we were on the same page, I was much better. That's right. So now, again, what's the issue with? Issues with your husband. What's the next step of your issue? That you have needs and your needs are not being recognized. And you're feeling guilty if you're not as nice as your husband's family. Notice how nice your husband is on your cheshben. Let me ask you, what (laughs) gifts are they getting you every week for appreciating taking someone in? Sorry? Are they taking you into account that maybe now if you have a sister-in-law there and she's in seminary, that she can help you? And the question is as follows. What will we do to make it easier for you? Don't you think it's extremely normal for someone to say, wow, you're taking someone in. What can we do for you? How many times did they ask you, what can we do for you? How many times did your husband offer you something? No, never. So interesting. So now let me ask you something. And when they do chesed for others, if it's not convenient, they can't do it. If it affects other kids, will they still do chesed if the kids aren't happy? My father, no, not. My mother, no, I don't know. Well, you just said they love doing chesed and they'll take someone in to their, for an entire year. Would they do it if it's not convenient or if there are issues going on or just say I could do it for three weeks but I can't do it all year? Will they ever set a boundary? Probably. Great. So they know how to set a boundary with their chesed. Amazing. Now, what boundaries can you start setting with your husband? Um, at one point, I did say, you know, we sh- she should go eat out on Shabbat. So for the next few weeks, and that's what we did, and then nothing happened. I don't know. I want my husband to be more forthcoming. I don't know how to that's be. The, here's where the codependence comes in. You want him. He doesn't understand <laughs> you, so you want him to have your wants. That is a large part that we focus on the marriage workshops. Now, let me explain to you. In Aleph Bay's a most normal problem that every single couple has in the entire world. Either the husband's got it more or the wife has it more. Generally, the women have it more. But in today's generation, it is so, I should say, balanced, where it's very different. So let's understand what that means, and we call it mind reading. The most normal concept issue that anyone that deals with marriage is that because we're raised in a certain environment, we are sure that certain beliefs are normal. And when the other spouse does the other way, how can't you see it? So especially when I deal with a lot of the marriage work, it's the wife says, doesn't my husband see I'm quiet? Doesn't he know he should ask me what's wrong? Or doesn't he see his supper wasn't that warm that he should know that I'm upset and that's why I'm doing it and the husband had no idea? Didn't he realize I didn't call him today three times? I only called him once or I sent him a text. How are you doing? And he was no. He was completely oblivious. So we call that mind reading where we expect the other person to read our body language. And the answer is, if you don't say it clearly, if you're not strong enough to work on yourself to say exactly what you want, then you make the assumption he has no idea that anything is bothering you at all. So for all you know is your in-laws are getting a message from your husband, the happiest and best thing you could have done to my wife is that we have a 15-year-old in our house. She loves it. Yeah. And they're saying, wow, why should we even think of giving her a gift? Because your husband's probably saying, look how much our sister is helping. 
And really, she's not doing 10% of what you want. So what's needed is you got to start having open communication with your husband. Montaira, I love you very much, but I need breathing space. I want to see how you would feel like if my brother would be around you when you're in Kyle from 4 to 9 o'clock or to 10 o'clock every night. And you're going to have to make sure he's busy, make food, do everything, but don't ask him anything in return. How would you feel? And if he says, wonderful, then tell him, great, I have a mitzvah case for you to take care of. Let's see how your husband feels two hours every single day just to take care of a boy, and don't you dare tell him thank you once. How do you think your husband will feel at that time? It's not quite the same. Why isn't it the same? Because I'm not looking after her, like, for hours on end. I mean, I greet oh, her let's and understand she understand something. Herself. Stop, saying, stop. Let's stop right her, there. Let's stop right there. I don't right do as there. much for her as I do for Anyone listening, so I'd love to break this denial that you just said. <laughs> if it's that comfortable having someone around your house, try no, it. it I want you to go to your in-laws and move in for three weeks, just be around their house. How do you think they're going to feel? You know what it feels like, Pesach? When you're around the in-laws or you're around your parents, the son-in-law's there or the daughter-in-law's there, and you can't have the fight, and you can't have that messy sink, or you can't have that, that or whatever, you just want to chill, put the kids to sleep, you can't just read that book because someone is just over there. You thought you have certain things in the fridge, but she got hungry and she ate up something, so now you got to go out again when you weren't in the mood. Ravnissa, what do you say? Uh, yes, <laughs> this is a, <laughs> as you said, uh, this is a big question about couples, and uh, this we we all we all has the same problem. Many times we don't see the same eyes, but the problem is really that it's no question that either you put some kind of you are the queen of the house, and you uh, your husband has to to respect it and get it. Maybe you got time to take to make a conversation with, with your in-law also, to ask your in-law what you think about it. Maybe I don't know how far they're living. I didn't. Hear the, I didn't hear you the the beginning. How far, if it's possible, to find her some friend from the seminary that she can share a little bit and definitely put her uh, some kind of uh, uh, obligation in the house. You know that she has to clean the room. She has to clean her stuff, making the dishes, making stuff. It's it's like part of living in a family. That's right. 100% that if she is living there every single day, she's got to have jobs and roles, and part of it's got to be, as in all relationships, it's a win-win situation. I give, I take. The husband goes out to work, the wife takes care of the house. In the coil houses where the wives are going out to work and they are taking care of the house, the husbands usually will then take the kids to the doctor. The husbands are learning. The husbands will take the kids to the playgroup in the morning while the wife is working. There's a give and take. There's a balance. What's her giving? We know her taking. What's her giving? Um, very difficult. The funny thing is that she wouldn't even care to help. She's so fine. That's right. That's what I'm saying. The issue is not her. The issue is first help. your it's husband. My husband has this, like... That's the issue. So that's why I think your husband needs to understand what it's like. So how about you ask your husband to be home every single night, for, ask him for a week straight from 4 o'clock till 9.30, and let him do things, and make sure he doesn't ask her for one thing. 
Tell him you may not ask your sister to even do dishes. He can't ask her to help to diaper one of the kids. Nothing. He wouldn't, I'm saying, because it's the Arab Shabbos Friday, like, he's home all day. He wouldn't ask her. He would quicker work double than to ask her to do something. Great. Let him do that. So tell him, Shabbos, it's your job. You prepare the Arab Shabbos. You do the cleaning a day. You're home. Watch. I'm going to do nothing, just like your sister. <laughs> sure. That nice will be day, your, you know. <laughs> a give and take. All right. Okay. So I want to thank you for the awareness. I think we helped a lot of awareness. We just got over here a cute message from someone. It's cute. It's too cute how you are so understanding of how annoying it is when someone is in your territory, even if she's a big kid and you don't need to look after her. Any normal lady needs her space. No one needs an in-law living with her for a year. I'd never it's agree to that. Wow. <laughs> just to improve it. Right, so this is just a random person sent the message a minute ago. Someone okay. else sent the message to the J-Root one. They're, taking, they're totally taking advantage of her. She has to put her foot down. Now, I want you to realize, putting your foot down, you're allowed to have your sister-in-law there. I'm not saying not. In marriages, we all make choices. But there's a recognition. There's a thank you. There's understanding. There's someone around, underfoot, and now what's the reward? The reward is she might be watching the kids so you can have a day off or two days off. The reward might also be your husband will get you a gift. The reward might be that you will go away for a week vacation and this sister will watch the kids. There's a give and take. Mm-hmm. That's relationships. Right. I'm not telling you kick her out. All I'm saying is you still need to get the recognition. And that's something that's in your inner work that's needed to focus on. Right. Thank you for calling up and staying up so late all the way from England. <laughs> Thank you very much. It was very helpful. Well, do you do a marriage workshop? <laughs> um, yeah, we do people? marriage workshops. Yeah, we do it once a year, Baksha, a beautiful four-evening marriage workshop. Yes. What, on the phone? Um, yeah, we do it over the phone. I don't know when I'm going to do it. I haven't announced it yet or figured out the timing-wise, but we do it. So how how can I find out about it? That's a great question. Um, It's hard. You see, on the radio, something that I've never done is I don't promote myself on the radio. Only when I do a workshop, I announce it one or two weeks before, and that's it, because the radio is not about promoting me. Or my workshops, it's about creating a mental health awareness. I usually, if I ever mention anything about me, we already get so many messages. Mordechai, I thought you were doing a lishma. Now I see you're promoting yourself. So let's try to avoid <laughs> no, all I want those to people. thank you, by the way, for, for um, talking about your book, Alive, because I didn't know about it, and I ran out to buy it, and it's mamsh amazing. So you thank should promote you. yourself. <laughs> yes, yes, I actually don't. That's right. I don't really announce every radio program. I don't start off, I wrote a book. And I do workshops and sign and up. And whoever I, I told about it really to does me. it. That's not the goal. The goal <laughs> is to create awareness that there's therapy out there. People can get better. And the focus is not me. The focus is you, the people. I thank you Almost like Trump. Almost like Trump. <laughs> Just it was a cute, cute point, by the way. For I try not to get into politics. <laughs> But I remember when Obama gave his first speech, they noticed he used about, I checked it up yesterday, he used 244 times the word I. It came out that every 12 seconds he used the word I. Trump, in his entire 17-minute speech, only said the word I two times. Wow. Yeah. 
It was just interesting. I remember when Obama spoke, 244 times said the word I, and every 12 seconds. We see the results. Yes, we see the results. <laughs> I usually don't get into politics. I'm not here to take it, just to create the idea. But yes. I know what my focus is, and the goal is not to promote the workshops. And I guess I would say listen to the programs or have friends that listen, and when we announce it, people will do it. Right. Thank you. We'll go okay, to... thank you. We'll go to Mrs. R. We're going to Mrs. R, and for those that would like to call, the number is 718-683-5858, Hello. R, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Yes, I have to start with saying um, a big thanks. Um, honestly, I'm only listening to this line for a couple of days, actually, and I've been so inspired, mm-hmm. and it helped me in so many ways, brought in my um, thoughts or way of thinking or awareness, although I am aware to the fact that help has helped a lot of people, but um, the clarity in how you answer each and every single question, guiding it to the right direction, either if it needs a rav or whatever needs to be done, I am so very impressed. Thank you. Uh-huh. That is such a nice compliment, and I'm impressed with you that you're only listening a couple of times, a couple of days, and you're already calling into the radio. That's very brave of you. Yes, I did listen to a lot of um, uh, recorded ones in these few days. Yeah, sure. And I know that you usually ask how, in what way it has changed, so I'll give you a little brief example of how there was a woman, I don't remember what number it was, but that called in saying that if she can still dive into Hashem, even if she feels hurt because she knows actually that whoever is hitting her with the stick is um, is not the fool because someone's holding the stick. And the way you were asking her a couple of questions and um, how you were confirming that she must have got um, learned Hashem in the wrong way. That's right, and, yes. Um, it really opened my mind of a way of thinking where there are so many things in our life where we think that Hashem is doing it to us and we actually do it ourselves or have um, the way of thinking, the way we think that makes us feel this way, makes things happen in a certain way, which brought me to that if um, I learned a new um, way of looking at things and I'm thankful to get to this point where I feel, I, I, I mamish felt that this lady was, um, I can't say exactly because um, I do see that Hashem does a lot of good and I'm not upset at him in any way, but I did feel sometimes overwhelmed like how Hashem could do this. And now I'm thinking like, well, I mean, maybe Hashem wants something from you to improve, to be even better than I would be without it and stay in the same shallowness if I, I went through this, obviously, there's something he wants me to come out more of it. So basically, it came to, um, to me to think that it was just it's just in me in the wrong way. I was taught the wrong way, like Hashem was used as, a, not as a stick, but more like, you've got to do it because this is what Hashem wants, people saying it in such a way that um, it went into me in such a fear, and it opened me a lot, and... I should say a lot of other things that I was listening to, but I'm not going to point them all down. Yes. Did I describe it clearly? 
Oh, you explained it very clearly. I want you to know, I, me and Rav Nissen, we are very much focused on not talking hashkafa because we want it to be the department of the Rabbanim. But sometimes, like when that person called up saying that how that Hashem, you know, if they have difficulties in their life, that means Hashem is punishing them. And all I said was, why are you looking at it that negative? It's just the opposite. Hashem believes in us. And when we can overcome a difficulty or a pain, then what happens is we get confident. And we can yes. overcome it and we get stronger. Right. And then I wanted to go back to the point of what this um, lady was speaking right before me about Chesed Amai Cheshben. Yeah. So um having a very hard time explaining this to family members who I am a person that is um naturally a people pleaser. And mm-hmm. um I I I don't know if it I was trying to listen to the nature's um lecture that you gave with all the sixteen um lecture um natures and I found myself in a couple of them but I still couldn't figure out um if my pleasing comes from I like to do the best and aim for the best or more of a fear of um, doing something wrong. So what happens is that people feel it right away. And um, I guess Wait, that's can you a just lot do that? And, and okay. It's killing me. Hello? Can you just tell me what your question is? Just what's yes, the focus? The question is how do you make that guideline between um, – I'll give you an example – so um, in the last few days, I was um, being asked to do a couple of things, and I felt like it wasn't I wasn't up to doing them. So I I let the people, whoever it was, know that um, I wasn't willing to do it because it was out of my um, zone of possibility zone. And after let's say two days, um, one of the, those people were telling me. Um, they knew I was listening to these lectures, like to these uh, radio shows, and um, uh, they were like, "Why are you using? Uh, um, how do you call it? Not firmness, but I guess something of that, like that you use to people with BPD." I'm, I don't have BPD, and actually, that person does show um, traces of BPD. Just by saying no, it's out of my limit. I can't do this. Um, but no, no, I'm gonna, being please forgive me like for, please forgive me. We need a question. You give me examples. Is your question how you said no and someone didn't like that? Is that your statement? So no, what I'm is your point? trying to put that guideline, like that, that, Good. that so now what's your question? Between... So you're setting a guideline. Hold on. Let's just be yeah. clear. So give me a question, then you'll explain. Your question is, when do you do it? The answer so is you were telling this, very this complicated. Woman, right? There isn't no, no black and white point. answer. What? It's about recognizing, can you do it? Have you right. done so it? I, so this is the thing. I don't have an issue recognizing I can do it. I know what I can do and what I can't do. It's the other people that aren't willing to hear what I can do. Good. So now what's your question? Um, so your question is how do you deal with someone? me that I know I can do, saying that I should be able to do it. Good. So now hold on. You're not making a question. You're not saying a uh, let's clarify. You're asking a question in a sentence yes. form. Ask a question. How do I deal with people when yeah, I set a limit I, and they're I, not accepting it? How do I put this you... fine line between not becoming a, a negative, um, like, burnt-out person and showing the people, like, I can't be stepped on anymore? Okay. Excellent. Great. So your question is,
how do you get to the balance? Yes. And the answer is very simple. You first need to be peaceful and comfortable with yourself that you first got to be easy and comfortable with yourself that they will have complaints. Do you know how difficult it is? I mean, everyone's going to complain about their field, so let me complain about therapy. Do you know how difficult it is to be a therapist when people want answers right away and then people want answers that they want to hear right away? That is the role that you're in. You're now in a leadership position, and now you've got to get comfortable within yourself. That in a leader, you will do things. If you know you're doing it right, you've got to find the chizuk within yourself. You did well. Help out as much as you can, and then be at comfortable and at ease. All these stories that we hear at Gedoyal and Rabbanim, where they say, oh, the rocks, you know, here I'm preparing rocks for helping out. Do you know how hard it is to be a gadol? Because at least a therapist, I get to choose what cases I want to work on. I even get to charge money and make a living. A gadol doesn't take a penny. A gadol is someone that's available for Yisrael. People assume that, oh, I'm working from 9 to 6. I have to deal with the kids till 8, 9. At 10 o'clock is when we're calling the gadol's house. It's interesting. You hang around the gadol. People don't have any ideas that they have a life. Now I have a crisis. Now I've got to call every gadol and be available when I need it, and it's an emergency. And these are some of the steps that in order to be a gadol, they create boundaries, and some people are explain, are angry at them, but we realize that that's just part of being in those positions. We'll go to Mrs. B. Thank you. Mrs. B, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Yes, um, I have a question. Um, so basically, um, I'm working in a place, and I met someone that I worked with in the summer, and she, I know I think that she had issues, and um, she basically came into my office, and I agreed her, you know, I'm nice to her. Um, my question is, how do I, how do I create boundaries? by being friendly, but I don't want to be too much of a mentor or too much of an overbearing person. So can you give me what is the boundary that she's crossing? She came to visit you at your work. Is that the boundary? Is the boundary that she comes too often? What's the boundary? No, yeah. She comes, she comes at times that she's not supposed to, and, um, but she has issues, and she could be really oversensitive. So Good. I don't Hold know on. how to like... Let's try this role play. Like. Watch me do it with you. Hi, thank um, you for coming to visit to me. I really enjoy you coming. Let me ask well, you, you're coming at a time when I'm in the middle of work that's not convenient, that I'm not able to see people during work hours. So when right. is the time that you could come after work hours? Right. I could do that. That's not, that's not really my question. My question is more of, I don't want to be her mentor, but how can I be a friend without a mentor? How can you be a friend without a mentor? Now I hear a completely different question. Where are you being yeah. her mentor? No, basically she's a girl that needs a friend. She asks me for my advice, and she needs my help, like a lot of times. And she comes to my office. So she's using you now as a therapist? Um, as sort a of, mentor. Yeah. 
are, do you want to be a mentor? Are you prepared to be a mentor? Do you have the skills? Do you have someone guiding you when you're mentoring someone? No, that's why I don't, I don't want to be a mentor without guidance, without instruction. So watch this. Ask me a question that she might ask. Watch how I'm going to answer this. Um, what she might ask me, so let's say um, she comes to the door, and um, I, I'm busy, so I wait. I'm preoccupied. And she comes in a few minutes later, and she says, you couldn't notice me. You couldn't give me attention. You couldn't realize that I'm here. Like, like um, I need attention. Give me attention. Now watch my response. Wow. So you need attention, but I'm a friend. Sounds like you need someone a little more than that. Right. Well, how would you respond? You're her. Let's do a role play. So let's say I would say that, and she would maybe be at a little where She wouldn't know what to answer. Wait, say that again? I'm sorry. I didn't understand it. No, let's say that Sunday just was. Let's say if I tell her that. She would be at a loss for words. I want to do a role play. Ask me a question. Do a real role play. Don't say she. Oh, says, okay, I say, fine. I'm going to be you. You be her. Uh, do it. Watch. Well, I should ask her. I should ask you a question. What she went? Yeah, ask she me as if me. you're her. Go ahead. Um, why are you always? Why am I always the one on target? Why are always people trying to help me? That's a great question. Who's someone that could help you out with this? I don't know, and this girl was a young girl, and I don't either it's, know. In, it's in a school I'm just setting. The nineteen-year-old girl, twenty-year-old girl, twenty-three. No, she's a teenager. She's fourteen years old. I'm saying, how old are you? Me, um, in my twenties. Great. That's why I said. So I'm just twenty years old. I think you might need someone that can guide you with this. Try right, one and of the teachers. But I tried to ask people, and I I think they don't know the stability of the situation. You don't realize. No, no, no. You're, you're, see, you're switching roles again. Watch. I am being you. I want you to be the girl. Watch what's going to happen. Don't switch roles. Play the role. You're 20-something. You're now the 14-year-old. I'm 20-something. Ask me. I get this all the time. I have people coming here. People are paying a lot of money to see me one time. And it's and there and if I don't have the skills, I will not help them. I won't fool them or fool myself. Okay, I should ask so you the question. It. Be the girl. Be that girl. The fourteen-year-old. Okay. I'm going to be you. Okay. Watch. And the reason why I'm spending the time with you is because I want other people listening. We've got so many teenagers listening, where they are trying to help others. They try getting out of their league. You got to learn right. how to set your boundaries. Right. So go ahead, be the fourteen-year-old girl. Do it, and then I wonder if Nissen, he's fantastic in the role play. Just do it. I want to get the main part in the play. I want to be the star of the show. Sorry, say it again. I want to get the main part in the play. I want to be the star of the show. Okay, I got you. Wow. So who can guide you? I don't know. Maybe she'll, she'll tell me like a teacher or a principal. Excellent. Go ahead and speak to her about it. Right. Ask another question. Come on. Give me three, four, five questions. She'll do. Okay. 
Um, could you please, could you please um, help me with this? I need help with this. Um, I'll need a drop more like what? Okay, fine. Um, All right, but do you get the point? Yeah, I get the point. The point is that you're not a therapist. She might need interpersonal skills. She might need social awareness. There are therapists that are specially geared for that. There's a person, their name is Garcia Winner, Marsha Garcia Winner, which has over 22 books in social skills, and social skills thinking. You don't have any of that knowledge. Not that I, it's nice that you want to help someone. You can be a friend, but you can only help them when you know what you're doing. No, but is it my place now to go to a teacher or a principal and tell them what I think, or is it my, not my issue? Rav Nissen, what do you say to this? I think to stay, stay aside. I don't think that it's, uh, it's your business now. And just uh, tell the, the girl that, you know, uh, I'm sorry, I cannot help on this issue. I can do it. You know, I can be a good friend, but I, I don't have the skill. I don't, as I mean, what did I say? Uh, to start involved other people unless she wanted. Is I right? Mordechai? Yes, yes, I hear you. A hundred percent. In other words, there's something very nice when you have a 20-year-old that's helping a 14-year-old. I'm a big believer in mentoring. I'm a big believer in being a friend. But you also need to know when you need help, that's something else. Right. And sounds like when she needs a therapist, you're not allowed to be then and take that role and think you're helping as a friend. But the so I'm a therapist. The, I have a lot of experience in many areas, and I've got people coming to me with certain cases that are out of my league. For example, a personality disorder. I don't have the skills. I don't know the dialectical behavioral skills. I know what's going to happen. I know the whole process, but I'm not specializing in that. I will not take it. I can guide them. I can even speak to the therapists that do the work and make some recommendations. But I am not a specialist in the DBT, dialectical behavioral skills. I am not, and I can only give my advice and then pull out. Right. Um, but I want to know, is it, my, is it my concern to go to teach and therapist if I, if I realize again, that? Now you've asked really, really hard, really now, again, I, I want you to realize you asked a simple question, but your is it questions, we can only create an awareness. So I'm just going to tell you why. We're going to go to the next caller give you an, uh, an idea how complicated your question is. Your question is, is it question? Is it my job to tell a teacher? Watch what's going to happen. You're going to, let's assume, you're going to go over to a teacher. The teacher might not have time to deal with it. The teacher might think you're overblowing it. Or the teacher might say, yes, there's a problem. And the teacher might call the parent saying, this and this girl called me up that you need therapy and the parents are going to blame you for everything that you did that you caused the problem. What's a 20-year-old doing talking to a 14-year-old? Right. It's complicated. Is the girl ready for help? Is the teacher ready to help? Is the teacher going to take over the case? How will the parents handle that? Each of those are unknowns. When you're getting involved and you start informing, you've got to be aware that it might not work out the way you want. It's 99% it won't go. That's right. Or this, unfortunately, me and you are both cynical. No, it's really, that's, that's what happened, you know. It's a big, big right. backfire on you and that's on right. the girl. 
and maybe the teacher will get it wrong and she will just tag her in a certain style you know certain style and you don't want it that's right I'm just going to share with you, me as a therapist, this happens all the time. I work with teenagers. I work with kids. So my policy is anyone under 15, the parent has to be in therapy. Do you know how many times I have 16-year-olds that, uh, that, that they tell me something, I need to speak to the, to the parents, I need to tell the parent, your kid's got an issue. Just a classical example. Let's assume I got a 16-year-old, which is extremely normal for them to have a Hashkafa question. And what I want to do is I want them to speak to a teacher. So what I told the parents, because we are very mocked not to do hashkafa, we do not want to do hashkafa, we don't want someone saying the therapist is talking hashkafa, do they know the right hashkafa, don't they know? So we get the son or the daughter's permission to tell the parents, we want to get your child to speak to someone hashkafa. You know what the first answer is? Why? My kid has perfect hashkafa. My kid has no doubts. And then, oh, hey, my kid's going over the derech? None of the above. Right away they call their rav or their person if they're calling up or say, no, we don't need it. And I usually recommend the Eishat Torah ones, the Arsameach. We've got so many people in the from world that are today qualified to give basic ashkafas. Do you know how the parents are fighting when they're already paying money for a therapist when I ask for someone else to intervene or someone to get else to help out? So that's me, a professional, that sometimes I need to spend three sessions talking to parents that the kid needs some extra help. What are the chances that you're going to call up a teacher and say, I think this kid needs help? Don't you think the teacher knows it? I don't know. Good. So what I'd recommend is go ahead. If it makes you easier, inform the teacher, but tell the girl you're calling the teacher. Right. But what should I do now? Should should I um, continue answering your question? You want no. me to give you an answer to like a 40-hour question? How You see, now you're doing just what she's doing. Let me be a little gentle. You want me to help you, and I'm not able to help you. You're asking questions that need expert. You need guidance. Watch this. I want you to answer. Let's say I tell you, yes, tell the teacher, and then the teacher does nothing. What are you going to do? You're going to call me up next week. What are you going to say? The teacher, the teacher did the nothing, way. and the girl's still coming to me. What do I do? Right. Let's try something else. The teacher does tell her. The teacher says, fine. The teacher calls up the teacher to, to the parents. The parents get this girl to get help. She calls you up. You snitched on me. Now the teacher told my parents that I need help. You're the worst person in the world. What are you going to call up Mordechai next week? What are you going to say? Mordechai and Nisan, Reb Nisan, what did you guys do? Right. So right, I guess right, I right what? You're yeah. going to blame me. Notice, if it works out, I get blamed. If it doesn't work out, I get blamed. That's the old theory in psychology and therapy. We will never give you an answer. Right. What we will help you do is, what do you want to do? What are the risks between both options? Let's see if there are more options, and I'll make a decision based on that. That is leadership. There are no right and wrong answers. There is making a decision based on what you see right now. Right. So now, would you still ask me what you should do? Right, because I know that she's in the need of a friend, and, 
And I feel like if I can make her happy, if I can make her day a little bit better, why not? Great. So let's continue. So you're going to make her happy now. For how many months are you going to make her happy? Will it really make her happy? Is she getting better since she's talking to you? She definitely feels happier that, like, someone, someone's older. Great. And someone's so then what's attention. the problem? Spend time with her. Continue. What's the problem? Let's go well, to your original question. My problem is when she asks a question, it's at my least. That's right. Your question is when she's asking you questions and she needs you at times when you can't be available during work times. Doing but work now she's not going to answer her question. Now you're not making her happy. What are you going to do? I have to set boundaries. Oh, but you're going to set boundaries. She won't like you anymore. You're not making her happy now. What are you going to do? But I, I, can't, I can't always make everyone happy. Oh, you can't always make her happy? I could make people happy, but after set boundaries. But what happens when you set boundaries? People like that aren't going to like it. So, so Do you realize that your weakness is that you are trapped in making her happy? Right. And that's your weakness. And that's where you need guidance. That's where when people mentor others, they have supervisors. And have people explaining to them this information. When we're therapists, to become a therapist, we've got two years of college, two years of two supervisors, a supervisor in college and a supervisor in your internship. That's a couple of thousand hours. I'm pretty sure it's, I forgot now, it's so many years since I, I think it was 800 hours a year of of work experience with people plus two supervisors each year. That's 1,600 hours. After that, to get your clinical license means after you graduate, it takes three years where you need to be supervised in order to get your LCSW. And that takes 3,000 hours of supervision throughout three years. That doesn't sound right, by the way. It's way too many hours. So it must be 3,000 hours of work, and then you're supervising, you're getting supervised about an hour and a half each week. So what you're in the need of is a little bit guidance. How do you help someone? Because anytime you help someone, they're going to get needy and want more. And then how do you balance? And that's exactly where supervision comes in. Harav Nisin, what do you say? <laughs> you know, we, we, you see the text that I send you. You got so many responses. Yeah. First of all, Can we thanks. read them? Let's go ahead. Can we read some of them? Uh, thank you so much. I can relate with to having a friend that needs my attention and thinks I am a mentor, now I get my answer. Yeah. And unfortunately, try to mentor other kids. This is so, so common in school. The older girls feel powerful when younger girls <clears throat> confide them on them. It can be bad news. That's this right. Is, now, let's is... explain to you. I'm a big believer, a huge believer in having the older kids. For example, I just saw a yeshiva where the principal showed me that the 12th grader learns with a 10th grader and an 11th grader learns with a 9th grader. So this gets connection between the older and the younger and all those great levels. It's fantastic. But here's the but. You need the teachers, just like you have mentoring. So I remember when I was about 16 years old, I joined the Big Brother program in Ohel. So you volunteered for free, and I had two boys. I was supposed to like a big brother. Took them out at night once a week. So I used to do it on Shabbos because I used to learn 
during in yeshiva, so on Shabbos I would do that. But there was a therapist, a social worker. If I had an issue, I would call. So it's great to have a mentoring program. The only point is the older girls also need to know that they can speak to a teacher if a girl or a boy will open up to them something that's out of their league. What you need is a mentor. So in the mentoring, the big brother and big sister programs, there is a leadership role. And those leaders that aren't therapists have access to a therapist. And that's why we're spending so much time on this. Right. All right? So what you really need is guidance. Okay. Great. Mordechai, we'll take another caller. Yes, we will. Can okay. we just, I just want to address one text that we got that's so important. I feel it's a beautiful question that you sent me. It's over here. As a niece living at my aunt, can you give me some awareness from the guest's point of view? How can I be sure not to get under anyone's skin? I thought it's a magnificent question and awareness. Yes. So what I'll, I'm going to share my ideas. Of this. Actually, how about you go first? What do you think someone can do? means it happens at times in life that you're going to have being in someone's house, you might even be there for a couple of months. Now, what do you do, or if you're aware that they might also need their space, what are different steps that you can do to help out? First of all, I want to say that, call uh, a kavod for this girl that uh, she's aware about. She's, it seems like a very sensitive girl. That's and right. And it's amazing to see. I know, I know that uh, when, when, I try, when I'm guest in other people, other houses, I would say that uh, first of all, I'll, I, if it's coming Friday, bring some flour, maybe bake some challah, help, you know, and show your willingness to help and to participate in the house. You see the baby crying, pick up the baby and not trying to, and try not to um, basically breaking the territory. It's very important. Many, many people are breaking the territory of other people. Meaning, you know, that jump over, pick up the phone, you know, the phone ringing, you just pick it up, pick it up, and don't do it. It's their house. And you see that something that, uh, you know, yeah, as as I see from the text, it's very, very sensitive girl. She understands, she knows what, but really ask your aunt, and if, if you need help, bring from your own things to the family, but... Keep the the boundary, keep the border that you are a guest over there. And, you know, I know that you have to ask permission. You open the fridge, you take this, you know. I know that during the year it's become like a habit that you can open and do whatever. But many times people look at it very, very bad uh, look about you, that you're breaking the, breaking the territory of the... And then definitely don't go and uh, go and try to open the closet of your aunt or uncle or, you know, look, whatever. Try to keep your own space in their own space and respect, basically respect each other. And I would say Excellent. that with aunt mm-hmm. and uh, niece or nephew, it's easier than a sister-in-law and a brother-in-law. Do you agree with me? Definitely. I say each one has got their pluses, so sure. Yes. So uh, that's that's my, my uh, answer to this uh, girl. Great. So I would even take your answer and just like put them in like PowerPoints, like in points. So point number one is recognize that you're there. They love having you and they're happy to have you. But at the same time, a family needs their individual and private space. So if you're living by them, 
find out if you can go away for a Shabbos. If, even, if you're, even if they said it's okay for you to be there, try to see that once a month or every other week to go away, not because they don't like you, just so they will have their space to just, that's just human. Humans need, we need our space. We need time. We had that several times on the radio when you had people that they adopted or they took in children, difficult family members, different children, and their own children just needed time to balance, to have their individual space. Couples, even though Baruch Hashem, the actual parents, they've got kids. They still need time to work on the couple as a team. So number one is uh, try to give them their space. Number two, as Rabbi Nissen said, help out. Even speak to your aunt. Tell them, I so appreciate that you're taking me in. What can I do back for you? And they might tell you, oh, it's wonderful having you. You know what? Can you watch the kids once, once a week at night? I want to go out with my husband. Can you watch the kids? Or, you know what? I want to do an exercise class. Can you watch the kids while I do that? So if you're offering and allow them to, to shear, they might say, we want you to bake. They might say, Arab Shabbos, you know, take out the kids for three hours. Each person has their needs that they like, but when you ask, it's there. The next point I want you to realize is do not feel like a guest. If you're here at this program and you now feel that they don't want you, that's not the point. As this woman said, as long as her husband gave her the understanding, she didn't have an issue with it. The issue started when her husband stopped understanding why does she need the space? What's the big deal? It's my sister. It's a sister-in-law. And the answer is you even need it from your children. I know husbands, I speak to them and, oh, it's such a pleasure Sunday. All the kids are home. I love that I work on Sunday, so I'm not around. Well, the husbands go, it's so good going to shear at night. When all the kids are fighting at bedtime, we get a break. Or the mothers say, ah, the kids just went to school, 930. Everyone is out the house. We have now four hours to ourselves. Everyone being human needs time, recognizing that if they get their needs, they want you there, and they're comfortable with you, so work it out, bring it up. And there are usually solutions and ideas. Rav Nissen, let's go ahead and take then the last caller. Okay, we'll go to Miss B with a parent's permission. Excellent. Miss B, thank you for holding so long with your parent's permission. Hello? Yep, Hello. It seems like they're sleeping. Hello, Miss B? Right. Miss S, I'm sorry, it's Miss S. Oh, Ms. yeah? Hi. Okay, I'm sorry, okay. I'm sorry, my mistake. Miss S. Okay, um, thank you so much for the line. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome, and I'm so appreciative that we got your mother's permission. It's really done healthy. Thank you. Okay, um, my question is like this. Um, I went to camp last year, and... Sometimes I was, like, homesick, and when I was, I was, like, um, like I was nauseous, and I was really, like, not feeling well. And since camp, I have, like, a fear of being homesick because I know what happened then. And it's really affecting me because let's say, let's say when we have a, a sleepover or a camp chabotone, and I panic before because I, don't, I know what's coming. What's coming? That... I won't feel well, and it's whatever. It's very bothers me. Great. And what's, what what solutions did you do when you thought about camp? Um, like what? Well, what solutions? How did you manage going to camp all the years? 
No, I went one one year, and I don't know if I should go back or not. Uh-huh. Harav Nissen sent me a message for me to answer it. I was going to shift it to him. So, so cute. It's so cute. All right. So if Rav Nissen is shifting it to me, then I'll do it. So I'm not going to shift it to him. So let's first understand how the mind works. The mind is a machine, has various components. One part is logic, thinking. The other part is our imagination. I don't want to use the word smart because we're going to get controversial, but people that are very creative, what is going to happen is that their imagination is that powerful. Now, I need us to realize that the more creative we are, the more we can see into the future. That means someone can see a car as just a car. Someone can see a car as a way of doing mitzvahs. They can drive people. They can make money that way. And the person that's more creative can then be more successful. So understand, creativity on many, many levels equals success. Too much creativity, if we don't teach the brain how to balance the creativity, as says, If you're thinking too much into stuff, you're going to create more pain. So if someone is too creative, then you start already seeing now the fears of the summer, and you're going to be afraid now. So there are many ways of working on this. So the cognitive therapy model is to recognize, to understand that what's happening is your logic brain is turned on. Sorry, your emotional brain is turned on, and we need to turn on your logic brain. So that means your thought, your creativity, needs to be told, I know it's a thought, I know it's a feeling, but it's not real. So what would happen if you could now tell your mind, wow, I'm thinking about the future, and because I'm thinking about the future, the intensity is too much. i got to lower the ability of thinking of that. So can I give you an example? Let's talk about, someone gave me a great example this morning about chocolate. Is chocolate great? Do you like chocolate? Yeah. Okay. Now what happens if I would tell you eat five pounds of chocolate? Would you still like chocolate? No. What happens if I ask you to eat five more pounds of chocolate after you ate five pounds of chocolate and you're so sick of it? Are you going to still like chocolate? No. Excellent. So now if I tell you after a supper... There's a small chocolate bar, and that's great. Would you like it? Yeah. So what's happening is everything on a a certain level at a certain time is great. Now, the same is with our mind. What can you do that when you start thinking about camp on a cognitive level, on a thought level, to start saying, I'm lowering the intensity of it? means right now you're thinking about camping. You're thinking about eating 10 pounds of chocolate. Of course you're going to hate it. What happens if you start saying, no, I can call my mother. I've got friends that I like. I can have a great, ca- uh, a great counselor. I know I'm going with certain friends, or I can have a best friend sleep on the bunk right next to me, so we're going to schmooze all night. And you would say, I'm old enough that now I don't need to be that afraid like a five- or six-year-old. What would change then in your life? then I wouldn't be so afraid, but I would still have the backup in my mind that I know what's happening, I know what's going to be. Say that again, please, one more time. That I, I'm not going to be so afraid, but I'm going to know that still I know what's coming, and I'm just pushing it away in the back of my mind. No. Notice, okay, that's one step. The next step is that when we work on this on a cognitive level is 
Notice how you use one solution. So what we call is, we just did it with one of the therapists in the center today with a client, actually did it with two clients. It's called best case scenario, worst case scenario, and what's the realistic answer? So you're seeing the worst case scenario. Worst case scenarios, you'll be afraid. You're going to be lonely. You're not going to have anyone. You're going to want to go home and you can't go home. Your parents paid all that money. You're so worried. That's worst case scenario. Best case scenario. You'll have five of your best friends all coming to camp. The counselor is going to be the best counselor. Your parents might even get a job in camp, so you're going to have them a whole time. That's best case scenario. Realistic is you'll probably have some friends. If you're worried, you'll be able to recognize what you're worried about. You might be able to go home for a night or two if you'd like. You might be able to speak to your parents. You might even find that you're a year later, older, that things are different. Right, could be. It was my first year. That's right. You Did you also go with friends? Yeah. Did you have friends that were around you? Yeah. Is this the first time you ever slept away from your home? Um, for such a long time? I think so, for a month, yeah. All right. So what would happen now if you think about it? You're a year older, and well, let's try something else. Do you have a best friend that you could surround yourself with, or two or three best friends? Yeah. Okay, so what would happen if you would have them with you in camp? So you're going to make up now already. When we go to the bunk, let's say there are two beds and two beds, so all four beds are going to be just us friends. Would that make it easier for you? Um, I was around friends, but I still I felt it. And the same thing is with, like, one night sleeping over by a friend. I'm still, I know, I'm still here. So then what we do the next step in therapy that we start focusing on is what's the fear? Is the fear that you're not protected? Is the fear something will happen? Is the fear that you miss your parents? What's the fear? That, that I'm going to miss my parents and something will happen. Something will happen to your parents or something will happen to you? To me. Something will happen to you. So you feel secure and safe when you have your parents around. Right. And if you don't have your parents around, you don't feel safe and secure. Good. No, now that's my the next fear step. is not. My fear is what? not that I'm going to. My fear is that I'm going to be homesick. I'm not your even fears... homesick. So it's called the fear of a fear. Yeah. First, let's deal with the actual fear. When you're safe, let me share with you an example. If someone doesn't study for a test, they're afraid all the time. I hope the teacher doesn't ask this question. I hope the teacher doesn't ask that question. So you're afraid of what they're going to ask. When someone studied and someone knows the information, then they're not afraid of what will come up because they have inner confidence. Right. So the first step that we work with you is how can you start feeling safe if you're not around the parents? So we're going to start. What are your fears? Your fears are you won't have friends. How do we build up your friends within yourself? Your fear is that someone might be mean to you. How do we do that? The fear is you might not have food. How are you going to deal with that? Is your fear maybe a counselor or a rebbe or a teacher will be angry at you, will yell at you, and you don't have your parents there? We need to identify what are the Yeah, we lost... Uh... Yes, hello? hello? Yeah, yeah, Robert, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm still here. Great. So we need to identify what are the underlying fears, and then we do that. And then once you feel confident within yourself, then everything else disappears. So 
so how do I figure out what my real thing is? So that is more when, I'm not saying you need therapy, but someone that has experience, that with someone that's afraid or concerned, they have skills how to help you deal with it. So right. I should go to someone? You could. I don't like telling people go for therapy. I'm just telling you, you have a, I think even a teacher can help you out. This is a very common point. Or even in camp, you can even ask your mother can call the camp director. Who's someone, one of the counselors or head counselors? You just might need someone to reassure you and tell you you're doing great. I think Shabbaton is very good uh, as a beginning. The teacher. Yeah. So I don't think you need to speak to a therapist here. I think this is one of the most common points out there that almost every kid, the first time they're going to camp, they're afraid. And just speaking to someone, many times I've dealt with cases, for example, where parents would tell, would tell the head counselor, the head counselor would then tell the, the student or the camper, I'm here for you. Do you need any help? I'll make sure the teacher, the counselor asks you. Know, once you know someone's looking out for you, you feel safe and confident and strong. Okay. Okay, so, so I don't think you need to, I don't think we need to run to a therapist. I think just having your parents talk to the head counselor and they can just speak to you. What are your worries? We'll take care. You can call your mother every day. Sometimes the camps, the counselors will let that or the, or the head count, the head counselor might let that. And sometimes there are other stuff that you might want to do. There are lots of options out there. I just want we're just here to create an awareness as to what happens. And just like what Rav Nissen said, sometimes starting to go to a little Shabbaton, getting used to being away, feeling safe. Uh, what about go to her uh, friend's Shabbaton? Just right. friends. Start going to a friend's house. All right. Okay, thank you so much. You got it. Excellent. Great, yep. Harvness, and thank you for this program, for letting us go so much later than usual. Uh, Rabbi, uh, you want to, uh, to talk about uh, the, the last text I about sent you? Sure, let me go ahead and about the, please the, elaborate issues. The car accident. Oh, oh, you just sent it right now. Let's okay. go ahead and see this. I was just tonight in a major car accident. I was considered at fault. Baruch Hashem, both people involved are okay, but it was extremely traumatic. Do you have a recommendation that I can do in the first hours and days to get rid of this awful feeling and to avoid heading into a downward spiral of self-blame, etc., which I have feeling I'll be heading into? Well, this question gets very complicated. I wish you would have called in person because I don't know what's really going on in your life. So let's clarify. It's normal to be in a car accident and to be afraid. It's normal to be at fault and to start picturing what I should have done things differently and things should have been different. That's always. Everyone, whoever's ever made a mistake, always walks around with that regret. In fact, there's even something a more scarier word, word called survivor's regret. And that is never when two people are in a certain accident, one survives, one doesn't. And that person feels so guilty, especially if the one that survived might have been at fault. And these are levels that are out of our control. Now, the reason why I'm saying this could be out of our little league is because you're writing as follows. What can I do for the first couple of hours to get rid of this awful feeling and to avoid heading into downward spiral of self-blame, which I have a feeling I'll be heading into. When you're saying you have a feeling, the question is, is that going on for many years where you have negative self-talk? 
where you beat yourself up, where you're upset at yourself. If that is what is happening, that that's an issue, then you might need one-on-one guidance. I'm not saying to a therapist, but I am saying to someone that can help you identify those thoughts. We don't, we're just creating an awareness over here. So the awareness is that, yes, when people have an accident, the goals are get right into it, talk about it, see the fear, and then also see the positive thoughts. It's normal. It's okay. Speak to other people that had accidents, and you'll hear how it's normal, and all this, all this downward spiral of self-blame is normal. But then start looking at the positive. Get behind the wheel. Move on. But if you know your issue is more severe, you're having it for many years, then you might need a little bit more one-on-one. What do you serve this to this? Yeah, I, I think that, first of all, it's a very uh, bad feeling to, to have a car accident. And, uh, you know, we all, as you say, we're all doing uh, mistakes. Sometimes uh, we have to learn from this. It could be that, uh, you know, this is a lesson in life. And thanks God, as you say, that uh, nothing happened. I was involved recently with a car accident, very, very bad. And it's it's not it's not good feeling. It's not nice feeling at all. But uh, we the only thing that I would say that try to to learn from the from you know I tell you the truth right now I'm very cautious in the in the, in the road. I'm look hundred times on the right and left because you know. Uh, my my accident was was very high speeding car that bumped into it and turned me over, but Baruch Hashem, wow. every everything everything it's it's okay. the The idea is uh, to take to take it to the next step. You know, I know many people that using the phone and create a car accident. This is a very big lesson to all of us. Please don't use the phone. Don't text. It's a, a unbelievable one, number one of a car accident to the today's. Yes, I can share with you. I also, we had a car accident the first day of Hanukkah. Since then, when I'm passing by certain streets of stop signs and I see cars aren't stopping completely, I'm putting an extra focus. Are they stopping or not? It's yeah. not panic. It's not anxiety. But I am looking one more time where in the past I wouldn't have. That's, that's all just true. about a month since then. Yeah, that's well, all true. That's, that's normal. That's something that we have, you know, we are not controlling ourselves. You know, I'm looking around. And so many uh, things in the road, uh, you know, you can look. You, you stop in the in the traffic light, and you see the next next the next car to you. They texting phone. It's terrible, really terrible. Right. Uh, so understand, this is normal. It can probably be three, four more months of you being worried or concerned about your driving. You'll drive more careful, but eventually the old system kicks in. You feel safe, and that's how life works. Okay. Have a wonderful evening, everyone. Thank you very much, Mordechai. Sure, Hatzlacha. Thank you, Rav Nissim, for allowing us to go over by so much time. Thank you.